everybody. Welcome back to the Midnight Terrors podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts this evening, Kevin slash Bucky, here with Jason slash Diamond. Jason, how are you? Good, and I'm glad you introduced us in the correct order this time. <laughs> I, I mean, if, right. I was, if I was going to go alphabetical order, technically you would go first. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, that's true. At least not for so this I'm episode. I'm better in more than one way. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but not this episode, <laughs> though, because we actually have someone with a with a, with a a letter higher up in the alphabet than you. But we'll save that for a later episode, because we're also here with Roy. Yo, what's up? Roy, I don't, I don't have to give you a long introduction anymore because you're just a co-host. I'm just here now. I, <laughs> like, yep. I'm such a mooch. I, I came here one day and decided to stay. <laughs> he's, our, he's midnight terror squatter. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here till a, you kick me out. I'm going to get a shirt made with that. The midnight terror squatter. <laughs> just my picture in black and white. Yep. <laughs> well, and if you then, live in certain states, you can squat and apparently you own the house. <laughs> so... <laughs> And uh, then we are also here with a very good friend of ours who I can't believe it's taken this much time to get her on the show because we're here with one of our favorite people ever. We have our good friend Diana on the show tonight. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Good to have you on here finally. Again, I can't believe it's taken like six months to get you on the show. Well, it's good to be on. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Yeah, Diana. Diana. Diana is uh, easily the most active person in our in our Facebook group, and she comes out to all of our events, and she's been a huge supporter of the show. We were happy to meet her. Um, she sent over a couple movie picks, one of which I still want to do, but I won't say what it is because it sounded super ludicrous. Um, but now we're here. We're gonna we're gonna tackle a classic tonight, and we thought we needed to bring in the big guns with Diana. I was going to say, I'm I'm going to step out on a plank here. I'm going to live in the danger zone and say Diana is my favorite fan. Oh, thank you. Wow. <laughs> I, and I, lots of and, I will, <laughs> and I will catch backlash from everyone, I'm sure. <laughs> it's a good thing we promoted Roy. Otherwise, he might end the call because, because you said that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll drop- join you in the danger zone. <laughs> Diana is my favorite fan, too. <laughs> Jason, I hope you know that as soon as you said that, all I thought of was uh, was uh, Highway to the Danger Zone. So I hope you did that. Oh on yeah, purpose. of course. Oh I hope yeah, you did that totally, on purpose. Totally intentional, sir. And Regular. I will drop my I'll drop my personal email at the end of the podcast for all the hate mail. You can just direct it there. Yeah, please do that so it doesn't go to mine. <laughs> we need that. We need that for movie picks and shit. But uh, Diana, welcome to the show. It's good to have you here. And uh, I'm sure you've listened to enough episodes to know where we're going next. Because uh, we got to put you in the hot seat first before we talk about the movie tonight. So we always start the exact same way when we have someone on the show for the first time. Oh, tell shit. Us, yeah. Tell us, Diana, how did you get into horror? And I'm going to throw it over to Jason for part two of the question. And which one fucked you up? <laughs> Um, I got into horror because of my dad. Um, he's had me watching monster movies as a kid. Um, and, uh, I just, it just went from there. I mean, he had three girls, so he had to pass it on to someone. Um, so, so how to thank my dad for that. And we still will talk about, um, scary movies, especially Stephen King. Stephen King movies was definitely something I watch all the time with him. The one that fucked me up, um, I used to joke and say it was Jurassic Park 2 when I was little because I was always afraid my- 
But the one that really did it for me is kind of a tie between two, um, mainly because it looks so similar and they kind of came out around the same time. Uh, the Rain and The Grudge. Mm. Yeah, good ones. And I'm yep. pretty sure my parents like to fuck with me and they got me a TV shortly after they showed me The Rain. <laughs> <laughs> and I covered it up all the time. I was like, nope. <laughs> Are you still bothered by static whenever you see it on the screen? Not so much static. I get freaked out when I turn my TV off sometimes feeling I'm going to see something in the background like... <laughs> yeah yeah i was gonna say there's that scene i was gonna say there's that scene where it's just a reflection in the tv yeah nope that freaks yeah. me out and then were they uh, nice enough to get you a vhs with the tv too oh i still have my vhs dvd player yes the question is were they nice enough to get you the tv that had the vhs player built in that we used to have that one it was a small tv though it was definitely a small tv and um (laughs) but it was i had to i had it stacked up on my little dvd vhs player combo (laughs) (laughs) yeah roy don't you don't you still have like a little 11 inch or something like that are you talking about tv still (laughs) i was gonna say i got something like that Um, I said what I said. I said what I said. (laughs) I actually got rid of my VHS player not too long ago, but we have about uh, four PS2s, two Xbox 360s, and Xbox One. We got the the DVDs covered for sure. What what year are we living in right now? We're talking about (laughs) PlayStation 2s and VHS players. (laughs) Hey, I peaked in the mid-2000s, man. I keep that (laughs) stuff alive. No, I still have all that, too. (laughs) Something 64, the Xbox, all that, yeah. I wish some I of my favorite yeah. movies I still have on VHS. Patriot, Gladiator, Last Samurai. Man. Oh, dude. All good choices. Yeah, I'm too. Kinda, I do have a box somewhere. There's a bunch of VHS in it, and there's a bunch of that era shit in there. Yeah, you loved it. Ooh, until, what... You loved it until you got the blue screen at three in the morning and had to fucking <laughs> rewind it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the two VHSs though, I I carried a heart with um, and I keep protected pretty well. Um, it's Abba Costello meet the Mummy and Abba Costello meet Frankenstein. I've carried those classics around with me and those are like my ones i really protect i have a bunch of others but those are the ones i'm like nope we protect those (laughs) well i just have have a shrine to them at home (laughs) very excited to see um pictures and all sorts of kind of stories about it when i went to universal studios that was Mm. really cool yeah when uh when you said you were watching like like monster movies with your dad you're talking like kind of classic universal horror like black and white kind of stuff or we did those um and i mean any kind of those horror movies um we did like i remember i mean as much as it's not a great movie but but you know like van helsing is one that sticks out in mind or... yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus but, um it's just any any horror movie that was like my dad really liked monster movies more than he liked the serial killer movies he didn't mind watching halloween or Friday the 13th, um, just because he kind of thought those were a little more ridiculous, but. Sure. Right. Well, we are we are getting some sort of uh, a little bit of comeback here and there for, uh, for the Universal Monsters, which is kind of nice. No, it's very nice. I'm very excited. We need another Wolfman movie because the last one was the 2010 one, which I really love, but apparently no one saw it. <laughs> oh, no, I that was that was a good one. I just saw a scene two from it when he turns in like the middle of the courtroom mm-hmm. and like you just have all of them kind of being like, um, "Hey, oh shit, oh shit!" Like something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
it is kind of funny that the doctor in the room like doesn't hear this like convulsing man in a chair behind him but uh great great cast in that movie too fucking emily blunt hugo weaving benicio del toro anthony hopkins i don't know i haven't seen it in a while i need to go back and watch it but yeah that was a good one though awesome it is a good one it did get enough love it deserved a lot more Mm -hmm. Um, i still want to see a new creature from the black lagoon that thing's awesome right yeah Yeah. (laughs) still to this day my favorite version of the of the creature the creature from the black lagoon oh my god i can't talk to got this man come on (laughs) my favorite version of the creature from the black lagoon is from the monster squad i remember the first time i did a podcast (laughs) (laughs) fuck you jason (laughs) uh Uh, no good call though yeah monster squad's the shit and yeah they did a good job with the monster wolfman's got nards nards (laughs) uh well diana i'm glad you like uh stephen king movies and stephen king stories because we're probably talking about what is definitely one of the most famous ones because we're talking about 1980s classic horror film the shining as picked by diana so what was the reasoning for this pick other than it being a classic well this was one of the ones that my dad had me watch um with him and uh it just it's one that's just i mean my mom likes scary movies too she's not as big of a fan but this was one like she even loved and like will watch it often and um i just i like it i know it's not stephen king's favorite but um you know jack nicholson does do a great job of being creepy and just playing that and plus it has comes with a bunch of diff- great like lines that come from it and i feel like i quote it all the time or i think about the quotes all the time so yep have you uh, read the book not that is going to be my goal within the next year though as i was watching it um a couple days ago i was like you know what i need to sit and read the book to be honest my legacy of like what the shining is in my head is so i don't want to say tainted but it's so painted by the movie that it's almost hard for me to go back and read the book knowing how different the book is from the movie and that i think has been my hesitation over the years is that it's so different and so i'm like you know but I think um, I think this year I'll try to read it. And uh, important, once, once important. the movie is so ingrained in your head, it's uh, it's kind of hard to separate the two. <laughs> like, yeah. so you have, but you have to. And I've been that way, op- like the opposite way with books. So like, if a book's so ingrained in my head and I love that book so much, then I, I struggle with how it goes in the movie. Mm-hmm. And sorry to any uh, fans out there for that really love the 1997 miniseries of The Shining. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't. Jason, I know I watched have you, it. Have you seen it before? That's what I was going to say. I, I know that I've seen it. It's been a very long time. And in fact, it might have been. I want to say it was probably when it came out. It was when I saw it. And I don't think I've seen it since then. Other, other than maybe passing it on tnt or some shit like that but um but yeah i remember that one everybody was like oh but it follows the book but i was like because i remember watching it i was young i was like oh but it wasn't scary like <laughs> yeah i don't as a young young kid the version of the the woman in room 237 or 217 i guess in the miniseries was creepy but that's all i really remember about it so i do actually want to see it but i feel like this is always going to be the like even more so than the book, this is what most people think of when they think of The Shining. 
Yeah, this oh, is sure. those movies that does the rare thing where it overshadows the book almost. Like we mm-hmm. were just talking about Silence of the Lambs, same deal there. Um, and I feel like you can objectively say this is like a great movie. Like art and entertainment so subjective, but I feel like if you look at this and don't say it's a great movie, like you're wrong. And if you say the miniseries is better, you're also wrong. You can like the miniseries, <laughs> but it's not yeah. better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you see Cruel. <laughs> um yeah i think roy what you said right there is important is that the shining is like almost more than a horror movie like it's like a work of art like it's it's so it's got so many layers to it um and is like such a legendary thing in filmmaking like you know it it brought about new camera techniques (laughs) so uh, you know, I feel like this is what people think of most when they think of The Shining. Um, so Diana, you said you kind of grew up watching this one. Yeah. Um, Jason, when did you, I always forget about this. When did you first see The Shining? Uh, again, it's one that I could not tell you the first time I saw it. Um, but I mean, I've seen it a million times in my adulthood. Um, I love it. I love that it's one of those. I love movies that I have to go back and watch over and over because you like catch something new, like every time you see it, um, you know, uh, like American Psycho is one of my favorites. I watch that movie and I catch something new every time. Um, same thing with like Fight Club. Um, and, and The Shining is one of those, like the more and more that I watch it, like I catch these little details in the background um, and I love that kind of shit, but it's a great movie, and I think I think I've said it on the podcast before that um, uh, I still do and used to all the time put The Shining on to go to bed. <laughs> there's just <laughs> something so like it's so creepy and terrifying, but like just there's something about the music and like the the monotone kind of feel to the movie or or the atmosphere that just puts me to sleep. But I think I might be um, able to to relate to you or top you with that because I realized I have that with the exorcist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Like like there's no reason for me to be able to go to sleep with the exorcist on, but it just happens. And I don't, and I love the exorcist. So it's not me being bored, but it's just like, Oh, I can just put this on and it'll be like a, (laughs) like a comfort movie while I'm sleeping. So So I have that. Well, and the, the music is, the music is brilliant. Um, but I think the the opening score or the opening credits is like one long like brown note. <laughs> it's like brown noise. It just like well, puts you to sleep. But well, anyway, it's the it's the uh, the iconic uh, synths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, yeah. Which is which is such an overlooked piece of The Shining is the music. Um, yeah. This this is always a shocker to people that are new to being around me diana when i tell them my backstory with the shining i saw this one very 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 late um i always tried to put it on and always got distracted most famously i had it on but was talking to a girl and was the first time hanging out with her so we just sat there and drank wine and talked through the whole movie and i'm like well the movie was on but i don't know what happened (laughs) like all of a sudden jack has an axe and whatnot um, so I did not see The Shining from front to back until New Year's Eve 2020. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's recent. <laughs> and uh, funny enough, we actually watched it because my family and I were convinced that the photo in, in the movie 
was a New Year's Eve photo, not a Fourth of July photo. Right. Yep. It does look like that. Mm-hmm. It's got to be some kind of Mandela effect. It really is. I was we gonna say I out, think... we're not the only ones that think that. But it makes yeah, sense I think for it to be a Fourth of July only just because they're closed throughout New Year's Eve. Right. So, but it does look like a ah. New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Roy, going to you, uh, when did you first see The Shining? Do you remember? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as Jason. I probably can't remember exactly the first time I saw it, but I was definitely younger, like a kid. And then I've just seen it dozens of times since then. And speaking of what he said, I definitely pick up on every time you watch it again, you pick up on something new. Because like for the longest time, I don't remember there being like a 1920s party in the gold room. And then I'll go back and watch it. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, of course that's there. Like, <laughs> that's where he meets Grady and everything. Like, so yeah, there's definitely always something more that you can pick up on on this one. Now tell us about the first time you saw the thing. <laughs> I'll let you know when that happens. <laughs> I haven't watched it. I feel he like is, this has been a while now. He is doing not. it to spite Jason. <laughs> and he it's breaks like, it out on my sophomore return episode. He's he's Sick they, he's like giving Jason a hard time and tormenting Jason by refusing to watch it. But he's depriving himself of a great horror movie. Oh, I hear it's fantastic. <laughs> the it's only one, the one you're punishing is yourself, sir. Uh, this is true. But uh, I used to tell so, Kevin that all the time. I was going to mention the music. Yourself, buddy. You uh, brought up the intro of the music and stuff. I always laugh because. This was years ago when Ready Player One came out and um, Christian was watching um, the movie and I was in the other room doing something and I just heard that music and I came running in and I was like, wait, this is The Shining. What happened? Did you change it? And he was like, no, it's part of the movie. <laughs> I just yeah. recognize that music anywhere, any day. Like that music sticks with me. Well, did yeah, you know a- the, uh, the opening <laughs> score to The Shining is... It's like the same score as Clockwork Orange. It's like the same tune. It's this old fugue that they redo in synth version and either slow it down or speed it up. So if you listen, you can really hear the similarities between those two. And I think Kubrick does that in each of his movies. Yeah, I actually have heard that like pretty much none of the music in The Shining is original. It's all like taken from other stuff and just kind of reworked a little bit. Yeah, like Um, old classical scores. Which is kind of a bummer because they don't have like a full-on score of The Shining that I'm able to find. It's only that opening theme and then like one other song. But I would listen to the shit out of The Shining score if they had like a full record of it. Because oh the music God, is yeah. so good. Um, and I feel like uh, I feel like everyone probably knows the plot of The Shining. So much like our previous episode, we won't go into every plot point. Um, because largely, and I always like really appreciate this about the shining is that there's not really a whole lot of plot but a lot happens at the same time very true um so obviously it starts with the iconic shot with the the score and we see the car driving through the mountains and we get the interview with uh mr jack torrance and his uh soon-to-be boss um obviously famous that uh Stephen King did not want uh, Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance um, because are we all in agreement on the 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 theory that he's kind of just crazy from the start? Yeah, I think Jack Nicholson in real life is just crazy from the start. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, because there is um, there is kind of uh, you know 
banter around the fact that Jack is like crazy from the start or that's kind of assumed in the movie. And then, you know, in the book, it's it's more of him going crazy, you know, at the hotel. So, um, yeah, there's a bit of debate around that or, you know, people go back and forth on it. But yeah, there's, but also, yeah, um, but there's also a debate about I can't like. See go ahead. I was just gonna say I can't say uh, see anyone other than Jack Nicholson playing that part. Like, no, not at all. Um, and another thing that people always point out is like how little sense the layout of the hotel makes, especially when they get to the first scene in the interview where like where the windows position behind Stuart when they're doing the talking. Oh yeah, yeah the architecture it... just doesn't add up to it. Yeah, that's one of the cool things that you recognize, like as like as you're again on on like a rewatch and then i mean i could there's a documentary called room 237 where they kind of point out all of the shit um and i could talk about that movie for hours um but we may um, we may do our own standalone episode on that one actually when i finally get to finish it (laughs) yeah it's a fucking cool movie but but yeah like definitely like when you know when they're walking around the hotel or even danny riding his his trike around the hotel like the layout of the hotel makes no sense. And when Jack's walking to that office with him for the interview, there are people that are walking behind that office. So that office is on the interior of the hotel, but the window that's behind him, there's like an outdoor scene. Like you're like, it looks like it's facing out. That's not in the center of the hotel. So that window makes no sense and has no business of being there. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously Jack is unfazed by the story of Charles Grady hacking up his, uh, his kids <laughs> and having gone, uh, cabin fever. He just accepts the job with a smile. <laughs> um, and, uh, the only one hesitant about it is Tony. The Im- we talked about imaginary friends off air for the new movie, imaginary, uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. And probably the most famous one in horror movies would probably be uh, Tony. Um, the little boy who lives in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, so, something about that description always freaked me out. Like, I hate the way he describes that. Um, and then obviously... Man, I was really going to insert a Michael Jackson joke there, but I decided <laughs> not to. <laughs> uh, we also meet uh, Shelley Duvall, uh aka wendy who uh there was a lot of debate about this for a while that people like especially when the movie came out she, like she got nominated for razzies and shit um bullshit <laughs> she is fantastic in here well yeah because she was actually terrified on set for kubrick i mean yeah that that's the unfortunate side of it but she is just as good as as jack is for me well you know the two different sides of that with kubrick is like he seemed to be very hard on her, but then the opposite of it was with Danny Lord, the actor who plays Danny the Kid. Um, he thought he was just filming a uh, family drama. He didn't even know he was filming a scary movie. So, like, it always makes me laugh that, like, he was hard on Shelley Duvall, but then, like, protected the kid. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, most recently, uh, what I had found out only in recent years was he was equally as bad to Scatman Crothers with uh, with Dick Halloran. 
Um, and famously the scene in the kitchen where Danny and uh, <laughs> and Dick have that conversation about The Shining was like over a hundred takes. You know, I heard that too, whenever he's at his Florida house and he wakes up and they had to get his eyes opening just right. And they shot that like a billion times. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is, uh, yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be a strain on your eyes after a while. Right. Um, I did as, also... an, as an actor, I can imagine that's probably fucking infuriating. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I talked to, um, I talked to a guy that works on a lot of, oh my God, why is the director's name? Who did Fight Club? What's his name? David Fincher. I don't know why I couldn't think of his <laughs> name. Um, no, but a guy that had worked on some David Fincher films and said David Fincher does the same thing. Like he's trying to get the right shot. And he'll do it like 500 times to the point of like almost pissing people off just because he's trying to get it exactly the way he wants it. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I could, I could definitely uh, even just doing something like music. Like I remember just being in marching band and having to do like run through after run through after run through. <laughs> and uh, that's infuriating in itself. Um, so I mean, again, yeah, there's not like it's interesting how so much happens, but also so little happens because they obviously go to the hotel. Um, The one scene that Jason and I always talk about is uh, how like calm Jack is talking about uh, what's that group of people that he talks about to Danny, uh, Jason, in the car. The Donner Party. Oh, the uh, yeah, the Donner (laughs) Party. Yep, yep. I only know that so well because I'm you should know this because you're from California too. I should. I felt like um because I grew up in you know near Sacramento, California, and like all I mean, I remember in all my schools, like we learned about the Donner Party. And so when I talked about it when I moved here um South Carolina and I talked about it, there's some people who are like, What's that? And I'm like, What? <laughs> I can't know what that is. That's like all I felt like I always knew about that when I was yeah, I, mo- I moved away from California when I was eight, so my, my parents probably didn't want to tell me about the Donner Party. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Um, but, I'm uh, from South Carolina, and I knew it, but that that has a lot to do with me always being into creepy, weird shit, so right. it just makes sense. <laughs> well, another thing I uh, had heard was that, obviously, famously, the Stanley Hotel in Colorado was where Stephen King got the idea for the hotel in the book. But Stanley Kubrick apparently didn't want to base this off of one hotel. So he pulled like architecture from like a bunch of them. So that's why we kind of ended up with this really weird layout that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense with where rooms are or like how we go from one feel uh, to another in the hotel, which I also thought was pretty cool. Now, have any of you guys actually been to the Stanley Hotel? It's on my bucket list. I want to go so badly beautiful we went a couple years ago um and it's just it's stunning well uh funny side note uh diana i think uh if i remember correctly you got into ice nine kills after listening to our (laughs) our uh, silver scream guessing game episode yes i absolutely love ice nine kills (laughs) hell yeah they played an acoustic. That I failed track. miserably. Yes. <laughs> he did right, so we'll badly. Let it slide. We'll let it slide. <laughs> uh, to be fair, some of those top, some of those song titles are very generic. That if you're not hearing it, you're probably not going to guess what it is. 
Um, yeah. But they played an acoustic set in the Stanley Hotel like five years ago and recorded an EP where they played their songs in the Stanley Hotel. That's really nice. cool. That's cool. Because um, they have a song about The Shining uh, called Enjoy Your Slay. Um, <laughs> which uh, Jason got pretty quickly, I think, on that episode because I gave him a pretty um, giveaway lyric because it actually says in the song, um, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and no play. Yeah. Um, I just like the hair. You're that right, though. The, um, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to fucking bash your head in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Spencer delivers that so good. Which, on that song, actually, the guest vocals feature is, I cannot remember his first name. It's the grandson of Stanley Kubrick singing other screams on that song. Oh, Damn awesome. Kubrick is his name. Weird. Uh, but enough enough about uh, Ice Nine Kills. We'll talk about The Shining. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so you're right. Of... To, like you, you've touched on it like twice, though. I mean, you're right. Like the movie, it can be summed up in like a sentence mm-hmm. as far as like plot wise. But there's just so much like more going on, like in the background, and mm-hmm. and a lot for you to, a lot for you to kind of clink around in your head, like because you could look at so much of it from so many different angles uh, yes so very layered um so yep. there's a there's a lot of iconic moments to talk about with the shining so what i want to do is i want to just kind of go around uh and we'll start with you diana what is your favorite iconic moment in the shining oh gosh i don't know that's a really tricky one and, um, this is, and this is the magic of editing where we can <laughs> take out pauses <laughs> Um, I mean, honestly, I think the, I mean, the end scene is kind of one of my favorites at the same time. I think there's a look on Jack Nicholson's face at the very end. is just fantastic. But, um, the red rum scene is probably. Oh, that, that the, musical. That, that, that scene, because I'm like, my child ever did that, I would be like, nope, we're gone. <laughs> that <laughs> musical <laughs> swelling when when they show that it says murder backwards it like that that is so terrifying yeah no that's probably one of the scenes that sticks out to me the most or like you know no red rum like <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah the t- the tony voice is creepy as shit yeah and i don't think i ever caught fully yeah. which is probably my bad on it but that um you like lose Danny. I didn't realize how much like she loses Danny for that time. So like it's just Tony, mm-hmm. a good chunk of time. And I don't think I ever caught how much it was just Tony. Yeah. The, again, I find it so fascinating that they got this kid to give this performance without telling him you're supposed to be scared or in a tra- in a trance or whatever. Because <clears throat> his whole like Danny's not here, Mrs. Torrance is like what. Yeah, so he didn't know he was in a horror movie. He was just doing this, thinking it was like, oh, yeah, just act. Like, like what family, family drama, drama. What family drama are you watching, buddy? Or, yeah, or like, who who thinks that's normal? Is this guy okay today? Well, he, I think... Yeah. He, biology I think he, teacher, I think is what I found out. Yeah, he's a biology teacher somewhere. Yeah, he, qu- he quit uh, acting, but they did get him to do a small little cameo in uh, Dr. Sleep, which you wouldn't know because he doesn't look the same, so... Yeah, I, I didn't notice when I saw it. Well, we'll talk about it when we when we eventually get to Doctor Sleep. Ooh, okay. Um, Jason, what's your? Well, and I well, I was gonna say I can. Um, excuse me. Um, I can kind of see them working that around him because 
um, with the exception of, um, and even the way they cut it, there's not a whole lot of like Jack being crazy around him. Um, and the creepy parts with him and Jack, uh, Jack's being very monotone and not like flipping out. Like he's just, he's creepy because of how monotone and even he is. So I can see mm-hmm. the way that they would be able to work that around the kid not knowing. Speaking but, of uh, being crazy, has everyone seen that great <laughs> behind the scenes footage from The Shining where Jack is preparing for the Here's Johnny scene? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. It's so good. Oh, Oh, Diana, I will send this to you when we get off the recording. It's Jack Nicholson jumping around and like, like smacking himself a little bit, like trying to get himself into character. And he's like growling and he grabs axe. He's like axe, murder, kill. And the staff, like the staff is just walking around him like nothing's happening. It is fantastic. I will send it to you as soon as you get done. (laughs) And that's to me. Um, Yeah, he's like trying to he's like trying to psych him up himself up for that scene where he's you know chopping into the door with the axe and it's uh it's almost comical but it's it's crazy watching him kind of like, like a... get into the character well he goes to like move the axe over his head and the production guy just like casually ducks away from the axe like oh jack being <laughs> yeah. jack just <laughs> like, another day with jack nicholson it's fine so everything's fine <laughs> it's so funny um jason what's your favorite iconic moment in the shining Mm, I know what yours is going to be, so I'm not going to steal it. Um, probably, um, which, of course, it's so cliche. And Well, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's been done by everybody, but um, the elevator of blood uh, mm. is pretty fucking awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Just visually, it's really fucking cool. Um, and uh, two, it's like a, like kind of a cue to like, this hotel like because if you look at the hotel as kind of like a being or an entity it's like so much death has happened at this hotel that literally it could flood an entire floor with blood like mm-hmm. the sick shit that's happened here so it's kind of like a cool visual cue and it just looks awesome visually um and then uh of course danny's danny's face as he's like seeing it he starts to kind of convulse and he's got a little fucking <laughs> the drool coming down his chin as he's seeing it. It's, uh, it's yeah. It's just a fucking, fucking creepy one. Um, mm-hmm. So Which yeah, apparently, I, yeah. I think apparently the blood elevator looks so good because it wasn't like a miniature. They actually flooded a room, like for real. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so they could only do like two takes of it to get the shot. And the blood's the right color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't look all watered <laughs> down and shit. Nope. Uh, Roy, what's your favorite uh, iconic moment in The Shining? Uh, probably not as iconic as the blood coming out of the elevator, but I love the scene with Jack and Grady in that like orangish red bathroom where he tells him he's always the caretaker, and it's just like a total mm. mind fuck. Like, wait, what? What's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, Jason, I think the one you're thinking of for me is probably the one I told you that. When I hadn't seen this movie, I saw this scene, albeit probably the TV edit uh, at the time. But I remember walking in for the woman in room 237 scene as like a six-year-old kid. Holy shit. When she transformed and starts doing that. (laughs) Like I took off running out of that room. I remember seeing that too and just being like frozen solid. Like, oh, what is this? 
Yeah, and then they they intercut it with like scenes of her like floating in the water in the bathtub, and then just like slowly sitting up while she's walking towards Jack as well. Yeah, and her skin's all green and stuff mm-hmm. and decaying. Like, ugh. great scene. Oh yeah, not as a seven. That was actually not the. That was not the one I thought you were going to go with. What did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to go with Halloran and catching the axe. Mm. Yep. So that's to me. I don't know I if feel I'd like you've mentioned that one to me quite a few times. I have. I wouldn't know if I'd call that an iconic moment, but um, Diane, I'm curious to know, because we've talked about it before, but I'm curious to know, first time you saw The Shining, like for me, I hadn't seen it. So this scene where Jack finally gets the axe and axes Dick in the chest and pops out from behind the pillar, I think that's one of the best jump scares ever made because it's such a long shot. And then he screams out of nowhere and kills him. It's still, I mean, I still kind of jumped when I saw it the other day. Um, but I mean, it's been such a long time. So when I first saw it, I don't remember. But I like, I, I know that that happens. Um, I will say the thing, um, I, I always feel bad though, because like here he is trying to do the right thing and go and help the family and like doesn't make it. Um, but I did come up, or I did have the question or wondered um, if he could just like, talk to Danny. Why couldn't he just call Danny out and try to find Danny, you know, psychically? Kinetically? You'd have to use the long distance shining, and uh, that wasn't available due to the snowstorm. No, but, <laughs> but when he got to the hotel... Um, That's I true. It It is unfortunate that he drives, like, gets into a cab and gets a... A, a snow vehicle and gets like 10 steps into the hotel before he gets axed i was um, gonna say i think that's i think that's why that seems so crazy to you because they spend so much time with him getting to the hotel and like you're like okay once he gets there like something at least something's good good is gonna happen or whatever and then nope axe <laughs> yeah yeah, they build him up um, as yeah. that hero character that you've been following. And, you, like, pretty much half the movie, you know, he's getting it from Florida. He's going to Colorado. He's trying to figure out how to get up the hill. Like, oh, this guy's going to save the day. He's going to do something big. And then, axe. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, um, so, I don't, I well, don't that's, know. I don't know why he doesn't. That's just... when The Shining... That's when The Shining was still uh, charging by the minute for long distance. So Howard <laughs> was trying to watch the fucking budget. I um, think he left it off the charger yeah. by mistake. <laughs> right. well, yeah, it was, it was um, just uh, he was Danny was able to send out an SOS with that. Which, by the way, the paintings in um, <laughs> his room crack me up every time. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the like kind of black exploitation <laughs> naked chicks in his yes. room. Yeah. Yeah. I, I laugh every time. I'm like, it just. I don't know. I'm like, why? But um, <laughs> I guess why not? Um, well, I'm wondering too. Maybe, maybe the ghosts were active, more active at that point. Maybe they were doing something to mess with the shining. It point. wasn't as powerful or whatever. Yeah, that's well, a very good point. So important question on that note, Roy, because I hear this heavily debated, and I feel like there's one scene that kind of pokes a hole in the whole argument, but I still find it fascinating. For all of us, is in in your view of the shining because there's always this debate of is the shining or is the overlook actually haunted by ghosts so i wonder oh yeah for all of you 
do you think yes or no to there being like actual ghosts in the hotel? As opposed to like Jack just kind of imagining it or? Yeah, as opposed to like it being more psychological. Well, I mean, Wendy, so Shelly Duvall, she does see the ghosts at the end when she's panicking, running around, trying to leave. Mm -hmm. And Danny does see the twins. Oh, yeah. And Danny does see the twins and the girl and the um, woman in 237, she puts hands on Danny. I've heard that could have just been Jack in there. Yeah, which they never show. There was also a theory, too, that um, Danny might, because he has those seizures with Tony. So they, like, people have theorized maybe Tony form took over and beat up um, Danny. Like, self-inflicted, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the with the whole thing, like, why couldn't he just call Howard and um, with him switching... I mean, with Danny switching back and forth between him and Tony, like maybe he couldn't, Tony couldn't call Halloran. Like Danny had the ability to shine or Tony was blocking him from shining to Halloran. One of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking that or, too. Or just, some, or just something in that gray area. Like if Tony's in control, then Tony's in control. So Danny doesn't have the ability to reach out or, you know, somewhere in that kind of gray well, I wonder, there, I wonder but... too, with what Roy said, that maybe by the time Danny's been at the hotel for so long that the ghosts there, in my mind, I feel like there has to be ghosts because the scene I was referring to that pokes a hole in it being a psychological thing is when someone from the outside of the cooler unlocks the door to let Jack out um, so he can go after his yeah. family. And I, won- and I wonder, like... By the time Dick gets back to the hotel, like, have the ghosts become so powerful from, like, feeding off Danny's energy that they can kind of, like, block it out for Dick and he can't get back in touch? No, I think that's a very fair point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Um, But I, I, I was the question and I was like, but that makes sense that, like, the ghosts would be, it's at least, like, the, you know, the more evil ghosts there. Right. I feel I might be bringing in a little bit of Dr. Sleep because I feel like in Dr. Sleep, they start to say that the ghosts like don't just want to kill you. They want to like get stronger off of your shining. Yeah. Um, Which is still an interesting thing. I don't think that's a huge leap. Like if you've only seen the shining, I'm like, oh yeah, no, the ghosts are showing up because this kid has, um, you know, the power that he has. Yeah. That, no, that makes sense though. Well, I think, too, even if there aren't necessarily ghosts there, there's definitely something supernatural happening at the Overlook just through its history and what happens to the Torrance family. You know, you could say there's no ghost, but maybe it's like a portal or it's on a ley line or some kind of spirituality stuff happening there that is just not normal. Right. Um, important question for you, Diana. You said you quote this movie a lot. What are your go-to quotes from The Shining? Well, um, obviously, here's Johnny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And then the, I'm just going to bash your fucking head in, which isn't what he exactly said. <laughs> now I had to talk in front of that because of the song. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was when I was watching the other day, I was laughing at how many lines I ended up writing them down because I was like, holy shit. Um, how many lines he has in that one scene with the axe trying to get to the bathroom. He literally says, Wendy, I'm home. And then come out, come out wherever you are. And then he goes, little pigs, little pigs, let me come in. And that's a whole half and pop. And then, and then he, yeah, he's like, 
I'm like literally back to back to back to back. Like just it is kind of funny the face he makes where he's like, not by the hair on your chinny chin chin. Chinny chin chin. Yep. <laughs> then I'll huff and that I'll is... puff and I'll blow your house in. Which I laugh because he gets actually... <laughs> Yeah, very much so. That's actually funny that you point that out because I never like really kind of pieced that or thought about that, like all the different like kind of mm-hmm. intros that he's He's just doing intro after intro after intro. Yeah, That's I was like, I was like, holy shit. All right. Oh, another one. Oh, another one. All right. Like, yeah. And as a kid, the here's Johnny scene, I just assumed that there was a ghost that had taken over that was named Johnny. Sure. <laughs> because yeah, you didn't know I about mean, the Johnny Carson show. No. But there's <laughs> also the no Johnny. other no other explanation as to why the ghosts want to say that. <laughs> um Yeah, true. Well, I on on that kind of argument of whether Jack's just going crazy or whether there's ghosts, um, I I think we've talked about this, Bucky, but um, you know, people are like one side or the other a lot, and I'm like, why is it not both? Like, you know, like Jack's already pre, uh, you know, predisposed to mental health issues, and then you stick him in a fucking haunted hotel, and the ghosts, you know, are fucking with his mind. And he's already mm-hmm. fucked up anyway. So, like, why? Yeah, like, why can't it be both? <laughs> like, they know his his like mental hot buttons to push to push him over the edge. So, mm-hmm. um, which, but uh, yeah, so I was always like, I don't understand why it's such a huge debate over it. Like, because I mean, why can't it just be both? <laughs> yeah, and I feel like we can't skip over uh, where he really loses his sanity and this the line we reference the most: the bash your brains in line with the stalking Wendy up the stairs. Uh, again, yep. man, I could not fathom like having to do so many takes of you having to cry your eyes out and just wailing, swinging this bat. Yeah, no, like, I mean, yeah, Shelly. Go ahead. Shelly had it rough. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's that that's a lot, especially going up the stairs backwards. I that that's a it was like what 127 times is that what? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's Jeez. crazy. And she's got like just hours and hours of crying, like for this scene. Um, And uh, again, you know, Jack, Jack Nicholson going for going for it with, uh, you know, lines before it before the I'm not going to hurt you. Just the way he's like, Wendy, darling, light of my life. Love my life. (laughs) Like, it's just it's so bizarre. Um, and apparently there are like a lot of people that find some of his acting to be almost like a dark comedy. And I'm like, no, that's, that's psychological torture from that man. But right before that, you know, is where you see the all work and no play make Jack, makes Jack a dull boy. And, um, I did catch, like, it's kind of cool. The way they did it is, you know, when she's going page by page, like it's written in different ways, but then you also can see like mistakes, like his typos that he's made. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Never understood the significance with the uh, the tennis ball where he's chucking it at the wall and then there's like one that comes out of room 237. Yeah, I don't know about that. I haven't read anything about that. Um, But to go back, Jason, you're talking about like the mental health thing. Um, One thing I did catch when I was kind of like just Google research of the movie um, was that the reason why Stephen King didn't love the way that they portrayed Jack Torrance was because he kind of did it based on himself. I guess that during the time when he was writing the book, he mm-hmm. himself was going through alcoholism and like it's like unprovoked anger towards his family. 
like if he didn't want to be portrayed as like you know being a psycho from start to finish but at the same time um i agree like i don't think i could see anyone else playing this role besides jack nicholson yeah i mean it could it could just be that the 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 character was so much of himself or he had so much like you know of his own mental health or his own struggles invested in the character that he didn't like it not being portrayed exactly the way that he wanted it yeah Yeah, i watched an interview with him recently where somebody he always gets that question when he goes to q a's but you know he'll always answer it and he'll ask people will ask him like you know what is it about the shining you don't like and he's like honestly to sum it up the movie's very cold like all the characters are cold cold people um yeah and he's like that's not the way i wrote my book is that jack wasn't a piece of shit wendy wasn't bowing down to her husband she was a strong character um and you know like dick was like a much more like important presence in the book and didn't get an axe to the chest at the end um so you know stanley kubrick kind of you know being disposable with the characters and you know the relationships there um but again it's 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 two interpretations of one story which i find to be interesting now my question for you guys would be if they were going to redo the shining to where they made it more of the book would you guys see it yeah mm, i kind of don't even want to think about it <laughs> i would give it <laughs> i would give it a chance i think i'm always an eternal optimist so i would give it a shot but uh they would have to really do some good casting to uh to do better which to be honest <laughs> Um, we're going to get to it one of these days, but Dr. Sleep, I think is fantastic. Um, and you know, having, uh, who'd they get for the small, uh, Henry Thomas, they got to play Jack Torrance for a couple scenes in Dr. Sleep. I thought that was great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Alex Esso from Midnight Mass, I thought was a great Wendy when they showed her. Um, so I think they could do it. Uh, I feel like they're really going to have to switch up the narrative though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would see it and um might take me a couple years, but I'm surprised we haven't seen it yet. With the with the trend of remakes and reboots and everything, I'm honestly shocked nobody's looked back to Shining and been like, "Well, that made money, we should uh, make some more money with it." Well, again, they tried the miniseries in the 90s cuz Stephen King wasn't happy with this one, so he got full like script approval for the 90s miniseries. They should just remake Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> No, don't, right. don't remake maximum overdrive it's a masterpiece <laughs> that's true it's fine the way it is um, um i yeah i would i would go in super super cautious on that one um i mean because there's uh to be honest and and some people don't even agree with me aside from it i can't think of any modern retelling or kind of remake that's even come close to living up to the original of um, of stephen king work or just in general well not just stephen king work like in general i mean i i can't think or at least not off the top of my head i can't think of any remake that i've seen that i've been like you know even that was as good as the original um and the the Shining Snow was <laughs> fuck you. Evil Dead. Oh, what about uh, Evil Dead? Yeah, that no, was Evil good. Dead 2013 okay. is fucking okay. great. Rob Zombie's Halloween. 
<clears throat> the first or the second okay, one? See, yeah, first I see one. now Roy's busting out the guns. <laughs> hey, listen, Have they remade I started blasting. movies? Besides, like, it and Pet Cemetery, have they really made any other ones? Uh, they did uh, Fire. They uh, did Firestarter two years ago. Firestarter. I haven't seen that yet. It I have wasn't not a remake, but uh, Gerald's game was a good adaptation. Yeah. Yes, Gerald's game was really good. Well, uh, um, but now, like, yeah, but, I think I don't think they've really done any more Stephen King remakes other than that. I feel like we're going to get a lot more. I did hear that Mike Flanagan is supposed to. Oh, take they a... did. Which one? They did Carrie. Are they oh, yeah, they oh, they did do a remake. That Carrie remake was actually pretty good. Um, With Chloe... Chloe Moretz. Morton. Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever her name is, yeah. I did I did hear that uh, Mike Flanagan is supposed to do his take on the Dark Tower series. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, I'd watch that. Which, uh, I mean, again, I, I mean, I just love Flanagan, anything he does. Which, Roy, how dare you, sir? How dare Ouija you? Origin of Evil, mid. Ja Diana, have you seen Ouija Origin of Evil? I want to say yes. Do I remember it? No. Uh, um, my, but I want to say it was a, definitely one of those movies that like, my girlfriends and I probably threw on for like a scary movie. <laughs> Jason, have you seen Ouija 2? I, I have, and I do remember, I don't remember much, but I do remember that it was one of those that I was like, that was actually better than yeah. the first one fucking roy gave it a five out of ten on instagram <laughs> totally mid to get the creepy kids out of here already enough it's Flanagan, bro he yeah, did well, it better <laughs> he had to come into his one i guess see, i'd like to see a re well i don't really want to see a re because i like the original it just would be nice that it wouldn't be as long um but storm of the century i don't know if you guys mm. ever saw that oh yeah yeah yeah, I feel like there's a lot oh. more Stephen King remakes in the works now. Didn't they just uh, put out the stand? They yeah, did, they, they did. did. They yeah. did another yeah. miniseries, yeah. Yeah, they have actually redone a lot of more Stephen King. Yeah, he definitely had a resurgence after um, the first It chapter. Yeah, um, like a motherfucker. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. What'd you say, Roy? I just said, oh, yeah, I guess so. Because, yeah, after yeah. It, we did see a lot of that. Uh, probably too soon for the, didn't they? No, they did a series of The Mist, right? Like a one season TV series? Yeah, um, it was on, uh, our now defunct, uh, G4 channel, or it was called Spike after that. Um, but yeah, they only did one season, but I watched the first season and I thought it was cool. I thought it was really good. Which is saying something, because you, like, really hold that movie in high regard. Oh, I love The Mist. Me too. The Mist yeah, is one of my favorites. But, uh, I think Phil is like, yeah, we need to do a, a remakes episode and maybe talk about movies we either want to see remade or don't want to see remade. Um, but uh, bring yeah, it Shining, yeah, yeah, Shining would be a hard one for me to walk into. Right, but bringing it home, bringing it on home with The Shining. Uh, last question: the photograph and the whole "you've always been the caretaker" thing with Jack Torrance. What's y'all's theory on that? That was something I didn't fully catch, I feel like, until recently. I felt like I always, anytime I saw the picture, I just thought he got added to the ghost. And then, That's... like, and then as I started catching, I was like, no, like, he's supposed to be, like, a the caretaker this whole time and, like, kind of a reincarnation, I guess, of him. Yeah, that's what I still think seems to happen. 
uh, and that might be a pretty basic, but you know, him getting <laughs> just added to the, the group of ghosts in the hotel was always just how I took that. I just thought of this, but could it mean that time is almost cyclical? Like he was the caretaker back in the twenties. Now he's the caretaker. Now he's just always been going in this cycle and maybe doomed to repeat it almost like a purgatory. Yeah. Which I always think about too, but then like, how do you explain the stuff outside of the hotel? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Expecting to be there. Yep. Um, yeah, I was. I'm with. I'm with Diana. Like that's kind of like watching it originally, um, or just before I kind of watched it at an older age and really started to pick up on that stuff. Like, yeah, I was always just like, oh, okay, he's part of the hotel now because he died there, so now he's a ghost and has got to live there with the rest of them um but yeah like with the stuff where he says you've always been the caretaker and you've yeah, always see, been now there it's, now it's bleeding um, into you <laughs> yeah 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 the terror um, caker <laughs> i've got wet brain leave me alone i have an excuse um <laughs> anyways uh um but yeah yeah so it's 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 something to think about i mean i I kind of agree with kind of the reincarnated thing. And then also there's like an argument is, is Jack the went that went to the hotel, the same Jack that was at the hotel, kind of like Danny has, um, you know, Tony has his kind of alter ego or other part of him mm-hmm. kind of thing. I don't, oh, I've never, I don't know. You could play with. I've never yeah. thought about that. Is Jack in a, in a different state when he leaves versus when he's at the hotel? Well, yeah, I've like heard something too. Like... By the caretaker. Well, does he have his own version of The Shining, but it's a little more malicious? That's what I was just going right. to get at. I've I've heard that thrown around that maybe Jack has The Shining. That's why he drinks to him as dull the senses around it. And maybe that's what mm. takes over at the hotel. Yep. And then when he becomes uh, sober, uh, that it yeah, sort of then it leads back into back him. In. Which I, I, I the same mm. way when I'm sober. Which I, yeah. <laughs> No four locos for you, uh, oh, which, I, which I did hear, or it was pointed out to me by another podcast that there are some inconsistencies in the story of Jack's sobriety in here, uh, because what is it, Wendy, when she talks about Danny's arm being dislocated, it's been three years yeah. since Jack has had a drink, but then when he goes mm-hmm. to the bar and talks to Lloyd, he says it's been five months on the wagon. That was something else I um, this last time around, and I was kind of. Um, it's funny because I actually I watched it with my mom, um, and um, I was kind of like I go wait a minute I go she said it would have been since you know he got injured just three years ago I was like he just said five months and I'm like I wonder if he's been sleep drinking. Mm-hmm. That's what it, that's what I was gonna say. I mean that's kind of easily explained the way that I mean obviously if he's an alcoholic and he tells her he'd quit or you know she could leave him then yeah he's gonna be you know sneaking it. So mm-hmm. I mean that's kind of. And that's uh, definitely in characteristic for an alcoholic. So that's kind of an easy <laughs> now my uh, solution there. The ghost thing, though, is that, like, if you think about it, Grady, he's there. And, I mean, was Grady, because he was the caretaker, you know, the year before. And he's there just as a ghost, as, like, the butler. So is that, like, or not butler, the server. So is that something yeah. he like, is always stuck into? Well, and he, so that's where I think I always thought he appears in ghost at the end of it because I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. great stuff there as a ghost. as like a different, as like just part of the party now. Like, 
which which again they add or, on to or, it. Or or you could go as far as there always has to be a caretaker oh. for the hotel. So whoever was the last caretaker, like it's something that's like passed on. Yeah, so, like a sacrifice. Like, the, yeah, like Grady was the caretaker, but now they need a new caretaker. So Jack's the caretaker. So them saying you've been the caretaker all along, it's like yeah, there's been a series of caretakers, or it's got to be passed down, or. Yeah. Right. So which, there's which another again, chosen to be the caretaker. Which again, right, right, an, an inconsistency that I never noticed until um, the podcast now playing pointed it out to me. When the story's told about Grady, it's Delbert Grady. You know, it's like it's they have one name that they say, and then when they meet, when he meets Grady, it's Charles Grady. So like the name changes. Really. Yeah. But- yeah. Yeah, there's just so much little stuff in here that makes you question everything. And I feel like that's part of the appeal of this movie is just like you'll probably never really get the full story of what's actually happening, but there's so much there and so many breadcrumbs that'll just keep you examining it and keep you talking about it, keep you thinking about it. Um that that's really a big part of the appeal of this one. I think that's a, a Yeah, a I strong, mean that's... a strong place to end on too is that you always wonder when when an artist makes and say what we will about, you know, Stanley Kubrick, you know, love him or hate him. The dude had vision for the films he was making. His methods were absolutely questionable. You know, no excuse to treat someone horribly just to get a good take out of them. But, you know, you always wonder, like, did he have these intentions, you know, in his mind to mess with the viewer this way? Or was he just making what was in his head? Yeah, that's uh, a great I point. These, I go with he. Stanley Cooper just I mean watching Kubrick like watching all of his films like uh, I mean uh, he's just constantly going on a mind fuck um, and trying to you know not really confuse you but just kind of make you think about things mm-hmm. and I think everything that he does is a hundred percent intentional um, so I, I think all of these things that he does I think he really had an intention behind it Um, But one of the great things about the movie is, like, you see some of those, like, ghost stories or horror movies that they leave things so ambiguous that it's maddening. That you're like, son of a bitch, like, you didn't tell us anything. Or, like, you set all this shit up and you're not going to tell us what it means. Or, And and not that, you know, everything's always got to be spelled out on you. Like, a certain amount of ambiguity is good. But the fact that, like, The Shining is great because... It's wrapped up. You're not disappointed with the story. You don't feel like you're left on this like huge cliffhanger. But at the same time, you can go back and start picking it apart and form like different theories on different parts and just kind of it's something you can bounce around in your head a bunch. And I yeah. feel like that's a fine line. It's such a fine line you walk with horror because part of the terror of the genre is just the mystique behind certain things. So if you're trying to figure out, I see it in my writing all the time, you're trying to figure out how to explain things that wraps everything up, but you don't want to give everything away. That's just like A, B, and C happened because of this. And that's just kind of like, eh. so, I mean. Well, yeah. And then, then you run into feeling like you're just being spoon fed and it's not interesting. Right. Yeah. No, I want to, we've talked about this for like two years. We need to do an episode on ambiguity in horror movies and like where that line is. 
Because like you said, mm. Jason, when they leave things too ambiguous, it's like infuriating. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh diana do you watch like the stuff that a24 puts out yeah yeah i am so someone just recommended a movie from them shoot what was one of the recent ones they came out with i just had someone recommend a movie um shit now i'm gonna draw a blank i know the most recent one i saw from them was men maybe that was it i'll have to i'll ask um it's a coworker, and i'll see him tomorrow and i'll have to ask him but um yeah, yeah. He, I, I watch, I um, I do like A24. I feel like they put out some really good movies to wear. But like, you know, I, I do agree with the idea of like not being spoon fed, as you said, because you like to watch movies. You like kind of having your mind go and like figure something out. That's why mystery and yeah. murder mysteries become such a big theme. Um, I, feel, I feel like... um. A24 has ones that are like the perfect balance of ambiguity yeah. versus telling you what's going on with movies like Hereditary and Midsummer. Oh, yeah. Um, but then they have a movie. The reason I bring up Men is because that one like actually pissed me off on how much they didn't explain. <laughs> it's like, uh, so if you get around to watching that one, I'd love to hear your take on it. Cause I was like, the movie ended, I was like, what the shit did I just watch? Oh, I wonder if that was it. That might have been it, but. Yeah, no, Hereditary and Midsummer just those were both really crazy movies that had just a lot going on. And I mean, I heck at the end of Hereditary, I felt like I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? Oh god, I feel like yeah, that's I was the same way. I feel like that's everybody's first reaction when they first watch Hereditary. Um I mean, But then which... but then you go back and watch it knowing the ending and it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While still leaving some question, like some questions in the movie that you can still yeah, like yeah. have fun with, um, Midsummer does the same thing. And then I, I actually haven't seen the new film from that director. Bo is afraid. Did anybody watch that? I no, seen I that. haven't watched that yet. But it's been it's been mm -hmm. coming across my movie feed, so I've been wanting to jump on it. This is Walking Phoenix, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, nice. Well, Jason, before we get out of here. Uh, Roy and Diana, before you jump back in the call, informed me that Thanksgiving is on Netflix now. Oh, shit, yes. Okay, so go no check that out, tonight. and we'll do an episode on that soon. Um, but, my uh, boy, Eli. Yeah. Any, uh, any closing thoughts on The Shining before we wrap it up? What do you guys think of the hedge maze, that whole... Oh, so good. Uh, I, love that. Yes. I love that shot from the sky where we're looking down at the maze. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that first shot um, where it looks like a, I mean, it looks like a model from the top and then that slow zoom in to where it like kind of becomes real. Or At the finale of the movie when Jack is chasing Danny, I was saying that um, you never see, I don't think there's a spot where you see Jack outside of the hotel other than, you know, when they check in or when they're loading their stuff in. But as far as when they're staying there by themselves, um, he's never outside of the hotel, whereas Wendy and Danny, before all the crazy snowstorms come through, they're out running the maze um, and just, you know, out in the gardens and stuff like that. So it's cool that the finale, Danny knows the maze because he's, you know, he's probably been bored and run it quite a few times. Yeah. Um, but that's how he kind of, it gives him the advantage and that's how he outsmarts Jack and how they get away. So yeah, it's kind of cool. And also uh, what I love too, is that according to the set, it was not cold in the, in the snow at the end, but all the lighting and the fake snow that you see and the wind 
and the sound design just gives the illusion that it is absolutely freezing there, but they're not freezing on the set, which I think is like the genius of the filmmaking in here. Yeah, that's really yeah, they did a good job. I do have to also point out her run when she runs um, to like the snow cat and it's just absolutely ridiculous. I can't, I know it's hard <laughs> to run in snow, but I was like, this is, this is not how that works. <laughs> no, I was dying laughing. I was like, why? All the, all the snow we get in Southern California. <laughs> Seasoned expert. Right, right. <laughs> all good, all good. Um, but yeah, I mean, not much more to say about The Shining. It, it's a classic. Uh, it's always going to be a classic. It's going to be one that horror generations, you know, years and years and years down the road are still going to be talking about this movie. So. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a movie awesome. I watch probably almost every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a new nap time movie uh, if you're like Jason. Puts <laughs> <laughs> uh, me into a deep sleep. <laughs> but um, Roy, anything you want to say about The Shining before we get out of here? Oh, man. What else can you say about it? I mean, just a, a pivotal movie, not just in horror, but really in cinema. Like you were talking about, all kinds of camera techniques came from this. I think... They pretty much invented the steady cam on the set of this. Um, there's just so much to dig into as well from a storytelling standpoint, from a visual aspect of it. Um, you know, you start going down a rabbit hole on the shining and you can keep yourself occupied for a couple months for sure. Yep. And what more to say, Roy, other than uh, we're going to get on out of here. So why don't you start now and get the fuck out of here? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's it for the Midnight Terrors podcast. Diana, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, hopefully we're cool enough uh, for you to come back sometime. I'd love to come back. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for Yay, Diana. <laughs> thanks for picking such a great movie for us. It's always a pleasure to uh, catch up with you. And uh, hopefully we will see you on the show again sometime soon. Sounds good. We got Imaginary coming up. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to. Oh, yep. Stay tuned for that, people uh so oh, yeah the charleston fam is getting together i'm excited mm-hmm. so uh thanks diana for coming on the show and picking a great movie for us and uh that's it for the midnight terrorist podcast for this episode so you can get in touch with us on our socials under facebook and instagram under midnight terrorist podcast you can shoot us an email at midnight terrorist podcast at gmail.com you can check out our t public store for some cool merch at least we think it's cool um, check out flexing pics of Roy with a midnight terror shirt on. If you're on the fence, <laughs> uh, and then, uh, Roy, I totally skipped over this on the last episode. Would you like to plug your socials real quick and where people can find your books? Oh yeah. I just figured out as part of, uh, the crew now. <laughs> no, we're still gonna, we're still gonna do all the plugs. Oh, I love plugging my stuff. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure a you stop. do. <laughs> <laughs> Someone one stop shop. Find me over on Instagram at author underscore Honeybrook. There you can see all the ridiculous stuff I post, and I can't believe people actually watch it. Uh, you can also find links to my books there on Amazon at R Jacob Honeybrook. Just type that on in. I have four out. Go buy them. They're all ninety nine cents. If you don't have four bucks, then I don't know what to tell you. Fuck yeah. <laughs> they're they're all great books. I've read every single one. So people go check it out. Go support our co host. And uh, Jason, what the fuck is this show called? It's called the Midnight Terrorist Podcast, motherfucker. That it is. Welcome back, Jason. Lots more horror talk to come in the coming weeks. And it's good to have you along thank for the you, ride once again. 
So thanks everybody for listening. This is a Midnight Terrors podcast. We'll see you all again soon. Peace.